0: We are in the Gemara on the bottom of Lama Alf 34A3 in the Art Scroll Gemara. The Gemara is now continuing with its commentary on the Mishnah, but it is a, an entirely different topic. The end of the Mishnah, the end of the Mishnah that we started with on Lama Gimel and Beis on 33B, said that in this scenario where there are two couples and they get mixed up, they are both halachically engaged, and then they get mixed up at the time of the chuppah, of the halachic marriage, which also involves the chuppah, and then having relations, marital relations. Uh, So then in addition to the uh, 16 violations in total between the four different people involved, which is what we discussed in the last couple of recordings, but in addition to that, there is a rule uh, that they are allowed to go back to their original spouse That is permissible because it was unintentional. If it was intentional, it would not be allowed. But because it's unintentional, they are allowed to remain married to their spouse um, and have relations with their spouse a normal marriage. Uh, However, if they are adults, so then we say that they have to separate. They are not allowed to have uh, marital relations for three months. And the reason for that is because we want to make sure, especially in the times of the Gemara, uh, we, we wanted to make sure that we know if they were to have a child, who the father is. We want to know who the father is and also to make sure that the child is not a mamzer, is not the child from the forbidden relationship, from that relationship in which uh, they mixed each other up. The child would have been a mamzer. So we want to make sure that the child, uh, who the child is, who the father is, and that the child is not a mamzer. And so therefore we tell the couple to not have relations for three months just to make sure um, that, uh, that we know of who the father is. So the, the Gemara comments on that halacha and says as follows, the Gemara assumes that the case uh, of our Mishnah is where both women uh, have never had relations before. They never had sexual relations before. Uh, there are some inferences from our Mishnah which seem to imply that, which, is, which are beyond our discussion. But it seems to be that from our Mishnah that they never had marital relations before. And the Gemara says that there's a principle in the Gemara that women they do not become pregnant uh, in their first act of cohabitation, in the first act of having relations. That they do not become pregnant from from that act of bia of of having relations. Uh, the Gemara says that this is because of of, of the the hymen, and it's uh, it will prevent uh, her from having. Children now, it is noted in uh, some of the halachic poskim and the halachic authorities that when they have this statement, this doesn't mean that this they can never become pregnant, but as a general rule, the majority of uh, the majority of the time, uh, women do not become pregnant. It's a lot harder to become pregnant in that first act of cohabitation. Um, it becomes more difficult. So the Gemara is asking, since we have such a what's called a rov a a st- statistical majority uh, where it seems to be that they do not become pregnant um, in this first act. And this is their first act, so we really should not be concerned. Uh, we shouldn't be concerned because they only had one act of, uh, of relations, of sexual relations. And if they only had one act of sexual relations, so then they should be able to return back to their husbands right away. Uh, because we're not concerned that they will become pregnant. That's the question of the Gemara. So the Gemara answers, no. Amar of of Ravua, Shabalu vishanu. The case is where, or at least there's a concern, uh, or the case is where we know that they didn't just have relations once, but they had relations multiple times over that night. And since they had relations multiple times over that night, uh, so then the first time, it's true, There's statistics seem to imply that uh, the, it's, it's unlikely that she will become pregnant, but then they had relations again, and so therefore we should be concerned uh, that uh, she will become pregnant, and therefore they have to separate from their original, from their actual spouse for three months, because we want to know who the father is. So the Gemara challenges this and asks as follows, is it really true that they had relations multiple times over the course of the night? We said that between all four people, because there are four different prohibitions, again, the Misha was discussing a case where two brothers married two sisters in the end, and they were in Nida. In the end of the day, there are 16 different uh, chattas offerings, sin offerings that they have to bring between, in total, between all four people that were involved. But if they had relations multiple times over the course of the night, so then the, the amount of sin offerings that a person brings is corresponds to how many times they had sexual relations. So if they had sexual relations twice, it's not just if each uh, pair had relations twice, so then it wouldn't just be 16 sin offerings, it would really be 32 offerings. And so how could they say that it's 16 sin offerings, they would really be bringing 32 offerings? So this seems to imply, the fact that it's 16 seems to imply that they only had uh, sexual relations once that night. So the Gemara says, no! No! Uh, that's that, that's not necessarily true. Tameh. According to your reasoning, there is an opinion of Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer is of the opinion. Rabbi Eliezer to Bahavian. is of the opinion that it's really not even based on uh, the amount of sin offerings, the amount of various sins, acts of sins that a person uh, violates, that a person commits. Sorry, uh, when when they uh, when they uh, have sexual relations is not. Uh, one sin offering for each act of sexual relations, but Rabbi Lazar is of the opinion uh, that for every koach, for every um, effort and, and act of pleasure that is involved within one single uh, in, encounter of one single uh, sexual relation, every single time that there is there there is a koach, that there is a strength of an act of uh, of hana of physical pleasure. So then each act itself, even within one encounter, would require its own sin offering. So according to Rebbe Lezer, even if they just had one act of sexual relations, but within that one act there could be multiple sin offerings uh, for each uh, strength, with each uh, push of sexual, uh, physical pleasure. Um, and theref- therefore there will be multiple sin offerings. So according to Rebbe Lezer, there, there certainly will be <coughs> more... Uh, sin offerings, even if they just had sexual relations once. So, what's the idea of sixteen? but the idea of sixteen is sixteen to say is to say that if it was just the minimal amount, the minimal amount is sixteen. If they were to just have one act of relations, where, they only had one uh, within that one act, there was only one push of of uh, physical pleasure. So that would be sixteen. The minimal amount is sixteen. So, so over here, even if they were to have uh, sexual relations multiple times over the course of the night, the number sixteen really just represents the minimal amount. Just in the in the first act itself, there would just be uh, sixteen sin offerings. But it's true; there could really be more. But the number sixteen is just the minimal amount. So that's what the Gemara says, and that's what the Gemara concludes. At the end of the day, in order to be concerned and to to require them to separate for three months, the Gemara says that it must be a case where they had or that they had sexual relations multiple times on that night so the Gemara now continues within this discussion of the fact that uh, women in general uh, do not become pregnant in their first act of cohabitation and the Gemara continues in that discussion not really a discussion on our Mishnah but really uh, a a separate discussion about uh, different women uh, where they have where they have uh where they become pregnant, they did become pregnant uh, in their in their first act of sexual relations. So the Gemara says, "Amalei Rava Rav the Rav Nachman." says to turning the page to Va Tamar Mabez, Rishona Tamar." In the case of Tamar in the Torah, uh, this is in the Sefer Brachus in the Book of Brachus, Genesis in Parak uh, Lamaneches Chapter thirty-eight. There's the whole story of Tamar, where Tamar uh, mar- uh, married the son of Yehuda, he then died, and then he married the second son of Yehuda. he then died, and then uh, the reason to marry them was because of Yibam, which really connects to our entire tractate of Yibam, and even though this was before the Torah was given, uh, but many commentators explain that the concept of Yibam, even if it wasn't a law or a commandment, but the concept of Yibam still applied, that it's some sort of, um, some sort of, uh, bringing back of the soul of the deceased, or a continuation of the family, and then Tamar in the end was able to. It's a big story, but was able to seduce Yehuda. Yehuda didn't realize it was Tamar, but seduced Yehuda, who was the father. And even though in general in our laws of Yibam, it doesn't apply to the father; it just applies to the deceased brother. But this is before the times of, before the commandments were given in the Torah, uh, and so he, she was able to seduce Yehuda, and they had a, they had children from that. Uh, from that um, act of relations uh, of sexual relations and that was a way of uh, maintaining some form of yibam that was, a, that was a, a, an, an act of yibam by having relations with her, her deceased husband's father of Yehuda so the Gemara asks but Tamar when she had relations with Yehuda that was for the very first time as we will see in the Gemara When she was married to her two husbands, to the two husbands, her original husband and to her then deceased husband's brother, during those two times, they never had complete, uh, they never completed the sexual act itself. Um, As we will see in the Gemara, the Gemara will explain exactly what took place, uh, but they never completed the act itself. The hymen was still present, and only when she had relations with Yehuda. Was that really viewed as the first time that they had relations? And in that one act, in that sexual act of relations, she then became pregnant. She had twins. So we see from Tamar that the, you, you could have children. So it is, it is, a, it is an interesting question because we never, we always assumed, at least according to the, uh, to later halachic post, halachic authorities, that it is possible, it's unlikely, but it is possible to become pregnant. But the Gemara here asks, how did she become pregnant? So the Gemara, the Gemara answers, Amar lay, Nachman says back. No, this is how she became pregnant. Tamar beetzba ma'acha. tamar The Tamar tamar the reason that she became pregnant was because uh, she crushed her hymen with her finger before she had relations with Yehuda. Um, and so therefore the hymen was broken. Um, and she she crushed it beforehand, and she did that intentionally so that she be, she could become uh, pregnant, and she did in fact become pregnant, and we know this because all the brides of the family of Rebbe they purposely crushed their hymens before they got married, and the reason why they did this, some explain, some of the commentators explain, was because there's some added value in having children in that first act of of sexual relations, that there's some some uh, a spiritual concept idea value of having children within that first act itself and so the family of Rebbe, the brides of the family of Rebbe, they would um, crush their, and, and break their hymen so that they could have children in that first act of, of relations. And, and, they, and they referred to these brides as Tamar. They called them Tamar because that's what Tamar did in the, in the story of Tamar and Yehuda. So the Gemara then asks, ah, But What do you mean? Why was this their first act of sexual relations that Tamar had with Yehuda? But Tamar was married to Yehuda's two children, to Er and to Onan. So the Gemara answers, No, Er of Onan, Shimshu, Shiloh, No, when Tamar had sexual relations with Er of Onan, Er, the first husband, and then Onan, that was done Shimshu, Shiloh, that was an act of sexual relations not in the normal way, but it was done in the unnatural, from the behind way. And so therefore that was not, uh, that was not the normal way of having sexual relations. Uh, and so therefore that did not break, the, uh, break uh, the, the hymen. So the Gemara asks, is this really true? Is that, are we, do we really know that? The Gemara says it brings a very interesting uh, machlokas, a very interesting dispute uh, and we had reference to to the following dispute and ideas about this dispute earlier in the tractate on page 12b. The Gemara asks, "What happens in the following case that we had this uh, a similar case earlier where um, the the a couple has has a child and the mother is nursing?" And there was concern that if the mother becomes pregnant within the first two years, when it's the normal time to nurse, uh, that the baby will die, because the baby will no longer be able to uh, milk from the mother if the mother becomes pregnant and nurse from the mother. Um, So out of that concern that the baby will die, because the baby will no longer be able to nurse from the mother, uh, so therefore, Rabbi Lezer says, what should we do? So earlier in the Gemara, when we had the the discussion earlier, the suggestion was... um, to have some form of a contraceptive uh, where she places something inside of herself, whether it's before or after the act of sexual relations. Rabbi Lezer here is suggesting, you know what? They should have regular sexual relations, but um, when he emits the semen, he should do that outside of her body. And this way, even though in general there is a prohibition, one is not allowed to have hashkazazazar uh To there's a prohibition for a man to. Discharge semen uh, in vain, that there's a prohibition to do that. It it has to be only in the context of uh, sexual relations. Uh, But here, because of uh, either because of the danger or perhaps really because it's for a purpose, as long as it's for a purpose, for a constructive purpose, and here it is for a constructive purpose because it's in order to uh, uh, save the life of the baby, of the baby who's currently alive, so that the baby could continue nursing from the mother. So therefore, Abelazar says that is allowed. The rabbis then respond back to Rabbi Eleazar, and they say, no, that's not allowed. He says it's, it's comparable to, the, to what Erva Onan did. Erva Onan, Er and Onan, the husbands of Tamar, they did the same thing, and that was not allowed. That was certainly not allowed, and this is also not allowed. They basically argue with Rabbi Eleazar, and they say it's not allowed. That's not a way to solve this uh, issue. Now, it's interesting, it's, it's beyond uh, our recording, uh, our discussion here, but what exactly are they arguing about? Why would you say that it is allowed? Why would you, why would you say that it's not allowed? If there's really a concern that uh, that the baby will no longer be able to to nurse, and therefore there's a concern that it will uh, the baby's life will be in danger. But that is a separate discussion. But what really comes out of our Gemara is that it seems to be when they respond back to Rabbi Lezer, who says that uh, they should have normal relations, but just. Uh, uh, but she just discharged the semen outside of uh, outside of her body. Um, so when they say that, they say that's exactly what Erev Onan did. But we just said that that's not what Erev Onan did. Ere and Onan, they had biya They had sexual relations uh, not in the normal way. So the Gemara answers, Onan, below, Onan. it is comparable to the act of Aaron Onan, what they did with uh, how they had relations with Tamar, but it's also not comparable it is comparable in the sense that it says it's comparable in the fact that in the end of the day the semen uh, did not go into uh, her body it didn't go into her body so in that case it's similar but it's not similar but it's not comparable in that, comparable in that they never went actually into uh, the vaginal area they never went into the vaginal area and so therefore they didn't break the, and crush the hymen. Uh, what they did was in, in the unnatural way, uh, but they didn't go in through the natural way, and in that way it is different. So it's comparable, but it's not comparable. In the end of the day, the semen didn't go into the vaginal area, um, and that's, that's the way in which it is comparable. But in the end of the day, we said uh, the conclusion of the Gemara is that in this story of Tamar and Yehuda, Tamar, in fact, uh, did not have normal sexual relations with Er and Onan, with her first two husbands, who were brothers, they were also brothers, and they didn't have regular sexual uh, relations in the natural way, and it was, for the first time, was with their father, when Tamar had relations with Yehuda the father in order to fulfill this form, this uh, this form of Yibam. So that we have a few more lines in the Gemara, and then we will conclude. The Gemara then asks, uh, they ask, first of all, In the Torah, it says by Onan, it says by one of the husbands, that he would uh, waste the semen onto the ground, so that's how we know by onan that he they didn't have regular sexual relations. But how do we know that the same thing is true with regard to the heir, with regard to the other husband? So Amr it's like, no, we know. They both died, and they said that they he killed that they both died. They both died, and they were both being punished in their death because they didn't have regular sexual relations. And so it says he also died for the same sin, just like. Onan committed the sin of wasting the semen. So too, um, so too, Er committed the sin. The other husband also committed the sin of wasting the semen. They weren't supposed to do this. It was a sin that they committed, and therefore they, they both died as a punishment. So now the Gemara says, well, why in the, why in fact did they, did they not have normal sexual relations? Bish Lama Onan, I understand Onan why he didn't have regular sexual relations. Misham Lolo hazara my Uh Onan didn't have normal sexual relations with Tamar because she w- he was the second husband. Onan was the second husband and he knew that the child, if they were to have children, uh, the child would really be a continuation of the first marriage and it really wouldn't necessarily connect to him It would really connect to uh, the first the first marriage between Tamar and the first husband an heir and so therefore he didn't want to have children as a result of that. He wanted his children really to have this connection to him. And, and in a spiritual way, in some sort of spiritual way, it would have a connection to the to the first marriage. And so therefore, he didn't want to have children as a result of that. And so therefore, he didn't have normal sexual relations. But heir, who was the first husband, why didn't he have, why didn't he have normal sexual relations? So the more answer is, <laughs> The reason why he didn't have sexual relations was because he didn't want Tamar to become pregnant. Because he wanted her to remain uh, beautiful. And so therefore, he didn't want her to become pregnant. And so therefore, they didn't have normal sexual relations. And he was punished for that. He was very much punished for that. He died as a result of that and also Onan, the second husband also who didn't want to have the children uh, because he didn't want the children to connect to the first marriage. He also died as a result of that. They both died for this because of, as a punishment for what they did. And then the story continues that Tamar ends up uh, marrying, or not marrying, having relations with uh, with Yehuda and having children from Yehuda to fulfill this form of Yibum. That concludes... Uh, the the Gemara's discussion, and it will continue with this topic uh, in the next recording.